Okay, welcome back to Firewall. As usual, I am your host, Bradley Tusk. This is a Tuesday episode, so this is our friend and producer, Hugo Lindgren. A couple of notes for the listeners. One is we're recording this on a Friday, um, so it's definitely possible things we talk about will have changed by the time this airs on Tuesday. So if that's the case, apologies. Um, Second, uh, I keep forgetting to do this, but if you can, please rate and review the podcast on whatever whatever platform you listen to it on. I'm supposed to actually do that every episode, and I forget 90% of the time. Um, third, the construct for today is a little different. So Hugo and I often, you know, or always a couple of days before we start recording, kind of talk about, you know, what do we want to talk about, what, what's interesting to me these days, whatever else. And my answer when Hugo asked me the other day of kind of what I was interested in, the answer was nothing. I am completely bored with the news. I am barely even able to read the newspaper these days. I have zero interest in Donald Trump, in Joe Biden, in Ron DeSantis. Um, I have zero interest at the moment in so talking more about Silicon Valley Bank or chatbot GPT or Section 230 uh, or New York City and state politics and Eric Adams and crime or whatever else. So we had a little bit of a problem, which is, you know, I'm in a rut. And Hugo, I think, came up with a good construct for this, which is uh, to lean into it. And rather than um, kind of me trying to pretend and fake enthusiasm for topics I don't feel that for at the moment, we're going to pretend like I'm almost his editor and he's going to pitch me stories and I'm going to explain either uh, why he's right and they are genuinely interesting or why my sense of ennui uh, is actually, you know, dominates here. So Hugo... Well, I think the good question, Bradley, right, is, is are you in a rut or is the is the kind of world in a rut or the news in a rut? Because it is it does seem like all the big stories are they've just been in these. I don't know if holding patterns is the right term, but they're they, they're just in this this constant state of like like sort of medium boil, like not really exploding or happening, um, but just kind of sitting there for a long time. Like the, yeah. the Donald thing is the perfect Per, with the with the the charges against him brought by Alvin Bragg, which haven't been brought yet, like like he announced he's going to be arrested. Everybody braces for that, and then like we're a week later and nothing's happened. Yeah, I, I think that's right. Um, but look, I, I have if generally speaking, when the question is is the whole world off or are you off, I think the answer is usually you. Um, so I, I'm going to guess that the rut is is my problem and not the world's more broadly. Well, I'm going to give you a brief uh, a brief preface. Just to say this, which is, so Bradley, one of your one of your uh, one of your 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 good qualities as a human being is that your excitement is kind of in, is infectious, right? Whatever it's about, like you've almost turned me into a Mets fan all these years. Like when you're when you're pumped up about something, like a lot of other people around you get pumped up about it too. But the opposite is kind of also true. So that if you're like down about something or like not interested in something, like it's pretty hard to like move the needle if you know what i mean like yes. um so so it was with some trepidation that i was like scouring the news last night thinking like oh my god i could just i could hear the my inner bradley being like just shaking his head in disgust that i was trying to get you to talk about this but that said i'm gonna i'm gonna start with the most obvious subject but i i have to say i i started reading the coverage of it and then i went back and watched a little bit of the the television coverage too of of Shozi Chu's um, testimony in front of Congress. Yeah, he's the TikTok CEO, and he was up there for five hours getting his shit handed to him um, by everybody who could. 
And um, I actually thought, I mean, I don't know if he did an awesome job or not, um, but it seemed like a pretty tough spot for a human being. And I know you have an allergy to this type of political grandstanding so much because it obviously has little or no bearing on real life. It's just like this pure theater. Um, so well, he, he, here's what's even worse about it. Cause I, I did force myself this morning to at least read the New York Post and, and, and they did cover this. What I found frustrating by all of the grandstanding, it, it isn't just that it's, you know, typical political grandstanding with very little actual intent behind it, but all of the things they're complaining about are because they, Congress, have failed to regulate social media and the internet, right? TikTok is no different than Instagram or YouTube or Twitter or anything else, other than that it is owned uh, by, you know, the Chinese. And so for that reason alone, banning it or forcing a sale of it might make total sense. Um, but ultimately, they were talking about the, the, the suicide of a young man who was bombarded with violent images on TikTok. That happens on every single platform. And the reason that happens is because all of these assholes in Congress have either lacked the political will or just the basic intelligence to say, we need to regulate this and we need to shut this down. So, I mean, if, you know, I almost wish if I were a witness, I would have turned it right back around and said, okay, but you recognize that this is all the result of your own failings, not, you know, social media. You're asking the fox to guard the hen house here. That's never going to happen. You wouldn't have advised him to actually do that, though, would you? He was just up there to take the punches and go home, right? Um, it depends. You know, um, I think I might have, if I were advising him, at least had a alternative plan B. Uh, whether or not he is capable was capable of actually executing that, I don't know. But you get to a point where if the narrative is so bad, then sometimes changing it, even with defiance, um, might be the way to go. And if ultimately... The outcome here is preordained, which is that every member of Congress is going to grandstand and call for you to be eliminated in one way or another. Then, you know, kind of what do you have to lose? Is it fair to say that the that the odds of TikTok being outright banned in the United States rose yesterday? Yeah, just in the sense that that the Kabuki theater advanced to the next stage of the play. Um, but look, ultimately, yeah, there, there is probably a greater likelihood now that at the very least, as the Biden administration has said, a, a sale will be forced or perhaps an outright ban, as you're seeing other countries do. And look, I, I'm not opposed to either of those things, to be clear. But the notion that we're solving a problem just because we did it with one platform when there are 10 others um, effectively doing the same level of harm it, is laughable. And the thing that worries me the most is oftentimes in government, you do one thing and you feel like, OK, I did my job. You know, I passed the bill on this issue. So the problem is now solved. Right. And that's usually not the case, even when the bill that you pass is comprehensive here. You're going to take action against one platform. Great. But if you think you then did your job when there's 10 others equally doing the same level of harm to its users, especially to kids, um, then you didn't not only not accomplish anything, you maybe made the problem worse. Bradley, you sounded a little interested in that. I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> well, only because it gave me a chance to show righteous indignation against our elected officials. Um, speaking of righteous indignation, um, so I just want to I want to talk one second about Ron DeSantis, and that's it. One second, okay. just the one piece of his comment. So this this week he had his first explicit shot at Trump since you know he he this this whole cycle began, um, and he said that Trump had become and this was quote too big for his britches, and I thought like. Now, here's my question to you, since you've been in rooms like this. 
is this, do you think they had this exact phrase worked out? Like, this is how you want to do it, Ron. You want to say he's too big for his britches? Or did because um, that seems so stupid. Yeah, it's a little bit of a weird one because if anyone has really big britches, it's Donald Trump because he doesn't have any, you know, blinders or constraints on himself at all. So it, it's, it's a weird criticism, but here's where I guess it's coming from, which is, you know, DeSantis is really feeling himself, right? He, he's in this world right now where everywhere he goes, everyone kisses his ass completely. Everyone's treating him like the front runner and the next president. And all he's ever hearing is just, you know, reinforcement of whatever's already in his head. And quite frankly, that's a really dangerous place to be because that's when you start making stupid mistakes. So, yeah, from his perspective, um, does the Republican Party ultimately probably privately hate Trump and prefer DeSantis and he would like Trump to get out of the way? Absolutely. And and maybe that will happen because of indictments or whatever else. But I think DeSantis is now drinking his own Kool-Aid and you're going to see him start to make mistakes. If I were the other Republican candidates, the Pompeos and Pences and Haley's of the world or whoever, um, I'd be pretty happy right now because I think, you know, both Trump is in position to blow up simply because he might get indicted for various things. And DeSantis, because he doesn't know what he doesn't know. And yeah, he's, I guess, a smart enough guy from an IQ standpoint or has had some political success, but he's not nearly as smart or experienced or savvy as he thinks he is. And that's when people make really dumb mistakes. One more straight politics question. Do you... Uh understand what Bloomberg is doing supporting Kathy Hochul's sort of ad blitz? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bloomberg is a passionate supporter of charter schools, has been since he began his mayoralty or maybe even before that. Um, Recently gave $750 million to different charter school networks uh, around the country. And then in Albany, you know, we've got a legislature that is very hostile to charter schools because they're completely owned by the teachers unions. And Hochul has at least made some effort to try to expand charter seats and, and options and reimbursement, and everything else for charters. I think Bloomberg's view is for a couple of million bucks, uh, if that has the ability to change the underlying policies that then allow charters to expand and succeed, um, it's worth it. I don't think it's much more than that. Um, I've never personally heard Mike Bloomberg say one word about Kathy Hochul, good or bad. I don't think he really thinks much about her one way or the other. I think he, he probably just sees her generally as a typical politician. Uh, but if she's a typical politician whose policies will advance the things that he cares about and believes in, no reason not to support her. It's just interesting that it didn't happen during the election when like the res- like the support would have been more well maybe it's more important now well not really because because the election um they had nothing to do with his particular issues that he cared about right and now we're you know mike bloomer doesn't care as much about politics as he does about governance and now we're in the period where the budget itself which is really the predominant legislative document for new york state every year is being debated um and so Mike is weighing in at a time where he feels like he could maybe have an impact on the outcome of, of charters. So the three movies that they talked about being sort of big Apple-style blockbusters are Killers of the Flower Moon, um, which is uh, a Martin Scorsese movie, the spy thriller Argyle from uh, director Matt Matthew Vaughn, who did Layer Cake and Snatch and Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels, and Napoleon, Ridley Scott's sort of epic drama of those three which are the are you most excited about i mean you had me at scorsese just because the majority <laughs> of, of what he makes is is pretty good 
I guess my question with him is, you know, how old is he at this point? He's got to be in his late 70s. 80 years old. Right. So I guess the question is, when is the last time he made a good movie? And I would say The Irishman, in my view, is not a good movie. It was no. way too fucking long. It was boring. It was, um, terrible. It was it was a waste. It was a waste of my time. So, um, yeah, if Scorsese would make a Scorsese-like movie that was really great, of, of course that sounds better than the other options. But you know, they may be betting on a guy that's kind of over the hill at this point. Ridley Scott is no spring chicken either. In fact, I'm no, just- and also like I don't know, do people really still love long movie biographies? I, I don't know. When was the last one? that was really kind of a big hit. Um, you know, Napoleon's interesting enough to me, but there's no shortage of content in the world about Napoleon. And I don't normally seek it out. So and it would also, also you just see how, like, the Napoleon-type movies rarely work. These, you know, there's something about just the, that kind of, like, uh, it's been a long time since that sort of epic war. Yeah, the, the Gandhi, Golda-type thing. I, I, I agree. I felt like that was sort of in our childhood, so that was successful. And in the middle one, yeah, if it's an action, if it's sort of a suspense movie that's good, great. Uh, if it's not, then who cares? Um, I'm going to just mention, because I saw it in Matt Bellany's uh, column for Puck, uh, he's talking about Adam McKay's new project, and it just yep. it seemed like something you would like, so I'm just going to mention it. It's called, I guess he's going around trying to sell it, it's called Average Height, Average Build. It is about a serial killer who gets into politics in an effort to change the laws to be more murder-friendly. <laughs> it's kind I of funny. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I think the New York legislature has already done that for him. That, that's called elimination of bail. <laughs> so they don't even need to make the movie now. No, no, they just, just need to move to New York. Um, okay, quick question about Jack Dorsey, who got dinged up by uh, Hindenburg Research this week. Did you read those stories at all? Did you see what happened? Uh, I, no, but I, I, I saw some email traffic about it. So, so, it's, it's, so Hindenburg Research is sort of the, the short seller shop du jour um, that that does these sort of elaborate reports and have taken down some pretty big some pretty big companies, um, and they took a took a shot at Block um, uh, Jack Dorsey's company. I, I read it. I, it it, it, did, it didn't sound good by any means, but it, it it didn't quite sound like this guy needs to be carted up to jail. Um, but I have a question: Why does everyone hate Jack Dorsey so much? Well, because I think Twitter is is one of the more destructive inventions in the history of humankind. Right? <laughs> so that's why he created something truly terrible um, that has absolutely helped destroy our politics, our culture, our media. Um, has led to more people attacking each other, hating each other, feeling bad than probably any other device in history. Um, so I think one is he's responsible for that. Two, look, he just comes off as really fucking smug. Um, and that may or may not ultimately reflect who he is, but he just comes off that way. And so when someone both is, um, you know, incredibly successful, so the sort of jealousy component is there automatically, combined with a track record that's easy to pick apart because, you know, the thing they put in the world is actually pretty terrible combined with sort of a, a smug mentality, you know, it becomes very easy to not like him. Um, this was the, this week was the 20th anniversary of the invasion of Iraq. Um, and it was accompanied by among other things, a lot of, um, uh, roasting of sort of left-leaning journalists who supported the invasion at the time, including people at the New Yorker, the New York times, the Atlantic, um, do you think that's a useful thing to do to go back and revisit the uh, the the views of of these like journalists from twenty years ago? Just like 
hold them accountable for now, hold on the only people who care about this are other journalists and the reason why is they hope that in 20 years someone will be talking about that <laughs> right no one gives a fuck about who the political pundit voices were at the new yorker or the new york times or the atlantic or the washington post in 2002 right in fact the only people who give a fuck today are the other people who are already in that industry right real people don't care or know who they are now either um and so these are just you know you talked about actors and politicians you know desperately needing validation and attention at all costs you know this is just another category but you don't think that there's a larger point to be made, not about the individuals per se, but just about the media's complicity in in the invasion itself and sort of rubber stamping the, the, the Bush administration? Yeah, so I, yes, but I'll, I'll say this, which is, I mean, you were here for it. You know, 9-11 was so shocking and so world-changing that if you live through that, and keep in mind, it was here in New York, which is the global home of media, the reactions and actions that followed from that, even if they were wrong, aren't surprising. Yep. I'll, I'll say one other thing, which is to all my friends at Verified Voting and in the election reform community who oppose mobile voting and insist that the only way we should um, ever conduct an election is paper ballots. Um, my understanding, for what I recall, is that George W. Bush won the presidency in 2000 because of the inherent flaws of the paper ballot system, which then led to a war that turned out to be completely phony, um, that killed hundreds of thousands of people um, and uh, wasted trillions and trillions of dollars. So um, as far as I'm concerned, you know, uh, the Iraq war is on verified voting and the paper ballot people. Uh, Taylor Swift started her tour in Glendale, Arizona, um, 44 songs. I don't know how many costumes, but I did look at a... Um, uh, uh, sort of a bunch of pictures of each of them. Um, yeah. So I have a question. I know your daughter is a is is a is a pretty pretty massive fan. Yep. What is your own relationship with Taylor Swift's music? Is there a song or album of hers that you would be most likely to put on on your own? Yeah, sure. So so first of all, I, I like Taylor Swift in the sense that if if nothing else, she she brings my daughter a lot of joy, right? And that in and of itself is good. Second, it gives me something to talk to Abby about, right? So when the articles came about the set list, I was able to forward those to her. Um, when I need to get her a present, there's often a Taylor Swift-related component to it. Um, when we were able to stay on, uh, you know, line for Ticketmaster for four hours and get tickets, I was a hero for an hour or two. Um, and so, yeah, look, one is I have a positive view of Taylor Swift. Two, um, Wait, you, you guys actually used the Ticketmaster. You stayed online for four hours and got the tickets. We did. We just happened to get lucky. Um, but Good we did. You. How um, many did you get? I got six. It was actually amazing. So we got six tickets for one show. And then because Ticketmaster screwed up, there was some sort of like apology thing that they did to make tickets for another show available. And I tried for those two and got them. So actually, Abby's going to 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 the Friday and Saturday shows. So, uh, but look, yeah, no, I like some of her music. Uh, 1989 is probably the album of hers that I like the most. I know it's not considered to be her best album, but but it kind of is the one that I enjoy the most. Um, I'll definitely put on Taylor Swift songs um, sometimes. Whether and look, the ones that I like are sort of the really obvious, trite big hits, right? Whether it's you know cardigan or love story or blank space or whatever it is um but with that said I, I i have a positive view of taylor swift okay one of the best stories i read this week was in the washington post and it was a about a yougov poll 
that asked, um, God, they asked 20,000 adults. I guess they do the YouGov polls are conducted online, so but yeah. maybe they don't mean anything. Um, but it was about um, whether uh, people thought they could, um, in an emergency, um, could land a passenger airplane, you know, not having known to fly, could be talked through it basically and land a plane. Yeah. Um, so pretty shockingly, um, uh, about half of men said they were confident they could do it. Um, yeah compared with 20% of women. How confident are you that you could do it? And would you be the one who volunteered to try? So zero confidence whatsoever. I, I can barely drive a car, right? Um, look, I, I like to be somewhat aware of my strengths and weaknesses. So, you know, putting modesty aside, obviously I have some strengths that are a little different than usual. You, whoever's listening still wouldn't be listening to this podcast if, if you didn't think that. Um, at the same time, um, I have lots of fucking weaknesses, and some of them are just functionality, right? I don't know how to change a tire. I don't know how to ride a bicycle. I barely know how to swim. I don't know what the carburetor is. Um, and so, the, and my hand-eye coordination is terrible. My mind-body connection is terrible. So I would say I'm probably the last person on the plane that you would want doing that. Um, the only thing, and this is actually, forget about planes, even just when I'm behind the wheel of a car, I am aware at how bad I am at it. And so therefore I am mindful about trying to be as careful as I can, right? If, if I have an air accident, it's not because I was being reckless. It's because despite being careful, I still lost focus and drifted into the wrong lane or something like that. So, um, so no, that's not me, but, but the larger point isn't so much, you know, you're asking me a question on an issue that I know specifically I'm terrible at um, is overconfidence, people thinking that, uh, they can do things that are much harder than we realize. So I'll say a few things. One, not shockingly, that men at a much higher rate uh, thought that, you know, that's definitely part of the, the culture that we have. Um, second, you know, th things are always or generally harder than they appear, right? And everyone likes to think that, you know, everyone else is so stupid and they're the ones who understand everything. And of course they could figure it out because they're so special. And the reality is, at a very surface level, you might be able to sound smart about a lot of things, just like I do on this podcast, right? But if we talked about items in depth that weren't about, you know, politics, weren't about tech and tech regulation, or the two or three of the Mets, a couple of things that I happen to know anything about, um, you know, my knowledge would be very surface level and that's it. And so, you know, the fact that we live in a world today where people, because there's exposure to everything because of the internet, feel like their understanding of things is significantly greater than it is, is not surprising. And then again, to back, get back to your friend of Jack Dorsey and Twitter, if people weren't overconfident in their ability to understand things and do things and everything else, in theory, they wouldn't be such assholes on Twitter because they wouldn't be so quick to condemn everybody else. And so, yeah, look, what the YouGov methodology might not have been particularly sound, I don't know, but sound or not, it, it certainly points to a, an issue in society. Um, okay, so for a future episode, we've done this a couple times, although not in a while. Like one, one. This is a couple of years ago. We watched the second season Wired and then discussed it, um, and then we uh, we read What Makes Sammy Run, which is one of your uh, sort of signature books that you use in your class. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to pick a new book, and I, I'm I I, I was going to suggest a couple, but then I realized that we're going to make this sort of a multi part thing where I'm going to just give you. I want you to choose an area. So I want to do a biography, right? Like a, like a sort of a classic biography. That's the that's the, the type of book. 
Um, obviously, we don't want to do one too long. Like, I, it, I don't think we're going to plow through Robert Caro's like four volumes of LBJ um, as much as we might want to. I've, I've, I've read them just as a as a note to the listeners. They're excellent books. You've read all four of them so far. Yeah. Wow. I, didn't I can't wait for the new one. I'm, I'm afraid, as we've discussed before, that he's going to die before it comes out. Oh, no, you need to see that documentary, the the, the one. It, it'll make you feel better. He seems pretty good. I, yeah, like, I know. You have so much more patience and tolerance for boring documentaries than I do, meaning I have But this is a documentary about a writer you love. I know, but it's just about like... You watch documentary. Real people chatting. That's uh, <laughs> what the podcasts are, too, so I don't know. Um, okay. So here's, here, here are five categories for biographies. Like a like a, a say a great general or military leader like a Napoleon or a Patton, yeah. Um, no. Okay, a, a great athlete like Agassi or Tyson. Um, well, you know great- what, Tyson's um, autobiography was strangely very good. Okay, I've read it, but, but like it was surprising that it was it was really well done. I'm guessing you haven't watched any of the excellent documentaries. No, no, they're good too. A great business leader, Henry Ford, J.P. Morgan. A great politician, not not LBJ. A scoundrel, crook, or scam artist. Which category would you, or would you like to select another category? Yeah, um, maybe the, the the business leader, innovator type. I mean, the problem with the politician is, you know, give me something that's not either hagiography or just a, a pure hit job, right? You know, I feel like political books these days just reflect the rest of society, which is, you know these people are good, these people are evil, and, and there's no gray in between. Um, on either side of the aisle, that's a waste of anyone's time to read, right? So, you know, I think I want something that is a little more nuanced and balanced uh, on a topic that interests me. Uh, military history does not interest me all, all that much. Um, sports, you know, uh, yeah, if, if there was a great new sports biography, sure, but um, I think those are sort of few and far between. So, uh, I'll, 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 I'll give you the uh, task of business slash innovation. And it doesn't have to be innovation from, you know, the modern era. It could be someone that innovated, you know, hundreds of years ago. But but let's go with that category. Okay, that's good. So next week, I'm going to give you three options, and then we're going to pick one. How's that? Okay, I can do it. Now, okay, with that good. said, my challenge on reading is not limited solely to the newspapers. I haven't read a book in the month of March either. I read, I went back and looked. I read eight books in January, so I kind of started out the year in a house on fire, um, fell down to four by February, and I am at zero uh, for March. Um, I have been trying, but I cannot get into absolutely anything. Um, and so, Are you going to try on the plane? Do you have one you're taking with you? Yeah, yeah. There's there's a, a couple of books that I that I download because I don't really like. I know this is ironic since I'm in the bookstore, but I don't like carrying books around with me when I'm traveling. Um, so yeah, I think that's right. But I also downloaded more TV than I normally would um, because I'm mindful of the fact that I'm struggling to read. Um, okay, final item. You ready? Um, yeah. This was from the world of science. We may have to cut this out. Um, yeah. It's not just because you'll see. I'm going to read you the headline on it. Um, uh, did you know there is a global trend towards increasing penile length? You mean just human evolution? Yes. Is moving in that way? Yes. 
I was not aware of that. No. Yeah. So this, do you think this falls into this Steven Pinker sort of mode of, <laughs> of um... <laughs> um, it's a good question, right? So people are definitely taller, right? Than they right, were. I think that's what it's related to is that body size is increasing. It's so, and by the way, body size is increasing both in, in good and bad ways, right? Um, uh, right. Although I think people are generally getting taller and stronger. I mean, yeah. You know. I think that that could be good, but obviously body size has also. I actually looked this up the other day. Do you know what the average height and weight is of the American uh, man and woman? I'm going to say the average American man is five foot nine and 180 pounds. Five ten, one ninety five. Okay. And guess what the average woman is? This is according to to Google. Uh, average woman five foot five, 110 pounds. Five four, one seventy. No, no. Yeah, man. I mean, I'm, I'm, maybe I maybe what the, the thing I looked up was wrong. But point being, uh, yeah, we, we, we might be physically evolving in different ways. But it seems to me that having an extra inch or two of height or strength or, or penile or whatever else um, <laughs> is societally less uh, beneficial that compared to the harm of uh, obesity. Right. And so I, I think there's, you know, ultimately we are now living in a world where it, it is very, very easy to consume a lot of food that is bad for you without thinking twice about it. Um, we are fairly immobile, a little different for us who live in New York City. But, um, you know, I can't imagine that people who live in a typical suburb are getting more than, you know, 2000 steps a day or whatever it is. Um, and so, you know, look, e e even if part of the argument for what you just said is that it sort of indicates some world, some, some world towards progress, I think overall, when it comes to health and body size and all of that, we're doing a pretty shitty job of it. Um, Bradley, we will uh, pick this up next week. We'll have our book recommendation or our, our book, you know, we'll, we'll announce it in, in advance so people want to read it before uh, before the episode and, and be able yeah. to follow along. That that would be cool. Um, I have one other thing. and I, I, yeah. I, I think of this, I don't know why I thought of you when I saw this, um, but but I, I read that Slam Ball is coming back. Do you know what Slam Ball is? Nope. So Slam Ball, see, this is an idea that you would have. Slam Ball is a combination of football and basketball. So it's basically like tackle basketball. Okay. Um, and it was like started in like the early 2000s by a bunch of like sports executives and like nobody really cared. But now with like the streaming and everything else, like they think that like, you know, they can build, they're going to make like a documentary yeah. series and all yeah. that shit. Have, have, you, go, have you tried it? I mean like playing slam ball? Yeah. Um, no, no. I, I think I'm too old to try to do anything that involves people tackling me. Um, yeah. So, no. But I just think this is the kind of thing I think that you would like. Like if you invented a sport, that's what you would do. You take two things and put that like that. So, yeah, or or maybe come up with something entirely new rather than having to sort of copy other people. <laughs> All right. Well, next week, that's what you're, what you're going to have to come up with is this, this sport this that you're sport? Yes. Uh, it can't right. include cornhole, okay? That can't be involved. Can cornhole, what about competitive eating? Yeah, competitive eating could be. That could be. I mean, you could, you could come up with something that involves competitive eating. I think that would be interesting. Okay. All right. Probably have a safe flight, and I'll see you okay. next week. Thank okay. you. Bye-bye.